Well, hello, Harvest Community Church. Man, I'm excited to be here because I'm here with you and the Word of God. If you're a first-time guest, welcome to Harvest. We're glad you came. My name is Mike, and now it is time for a sermon. How's that for a segue? Whoa! Excuse me, technical difficulties. There. All right. <laughs> Hope all is well today. Yes? You guys are doing good? It's a good weekend, Super Bowl weekend. Who cares, right? No one in purple and blacks, or no one in purple or, I was gonna say, that's my team's purple. There's no one in black and gold there. No one in purple and not the Ravens, don't worry. But somebody will win, I guess. Um, more important than that <laughs> is how do you live without going insane in a deranged world? We are up to our last message, and I'm hoping that what we go over can be remembered. <laughs> uh, first, if you want joy, and we want joy, and it's hard to stay sane if you can't find it, you have to love other people. And we saw that from the scripture. Um, second, you have to face man's most ferocious and terrifying event, and that is your own death. And know you can find uh, victory uh, in that death. Third, you need to know that if trials come your way because of your stand in Christ, that not only will he sustain you, it'll all be worth it. And it's, nothing's gone wrong. It's all part of God's plan. But finally, uh, you, you need <laughs> truth in your innermost being. You need truth in your innermost being. Man's foundational obstacle to repenting of sin and believing in Jesus is he doesn't want to see the truth. By nature, human beings don't want the truth. You may not believe that because no one, you don't like it if people lie to you and you're made in the image of God with the power to reason and you want to see everything accurately. But you have a spiritual sickness, we all do, that causes us to not want the truth. It's described like this in Romans 1.18. For the wrath or anger of God, the righteous anger of God, is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. And in that word men is all of us, men, women, and children. Who, by their unrighteousness, suppress the truth. It is natural for us to push the truth down. And you say, well, I don't think it's natural for me to do that. You just did it. The natural idea is I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, I'm okay, right? We hide from the things that make us ashamed, <laughs> and we, we try to justify ourselves in all situations. The reality is our spirit rebels against God, we naturally make ourselves the center of the universe, and we naturally reject his leadership. And all the evidence that goes the other way, we naturally push down, it is why you lie when your hand is caught in the cookie jar as a toddler. <laughs> you know, I'm not the evil one here. We deceive ourselves and we're easily deceived by other people. The, the Bible says the heart of man is desperately wicked and deceitful. Who can know it? Who is your heart deceiving the most? You. You, seeing things correctly, seeing the truth is a gift from God. We naturally hold to untruths about ourselves. We always think we're better than we are. Everybody thinks they're better than they are. Everybody's the good guy in their story. Never occurs to anybody else that maybe you're not the good guy in your story. Maybe the person you hate is the good guy and you're the bad guy. <laughs> we, we lie. To receive Jesus, another way to put it is that God takes the blinders off your eyes. God has to take the blinders off your eyes. Beautiful thing when, when Saul of Tarsus, who's going to become Paul the Apostle, when he came to know Christ, God put blindness on him. And then he went and he met a Christian who told him about salvation and this scales fell off his eyes. He could see. 
And there's a physical picture there. You're blind, and now you see. Jesus, in John 9, healed a blind man so that that blind man could see, but it was, it was obviously a spiritual picture of getting saved. Then he went before the religious people, and the blind man was telling them the truth about Jesus, and they didn't believe it. They believed the lies because of their own wickedness. So when all was said and done, at the beginning of the chapter, you have a blind man and a bunch of religious people. At the end of the chapter, the blind man's the only one who can see. The whole point is truth is revealed by God alone. That's why when you, when you think of how you yourself came to know Christ, there is salvation uh, that comes through seeing. If you think back, especially if you can remember it, some of you have been saved as long as you can remember as little kids, and you, you kind of just morphed into it, and that's okay. <laughs> but many of you realize that one time I looked at the world this way, and then all of a sudden... I realized I was wrong, right? The, the song Amazing Grace. I once was, okay, blind. There's another one, blind, but now I see. see he went from being a slave trader, let's call that blind, <laughs> to a Christian who understands the truth of the value of the human soul. And it, it happened over a fairly short period of time. Um, Keith Green used to sing a song about coming to know Christ. He was a Jew who, who was a songwriter and made his living in the entertainment business. And he wrote a song about coming to Christ and he called it like waking up from the longest dream. He went through his whole life and then all of a sudden he meets Christ and he goes, I'm awake for the first time. To, to know the truth. Um, okay, for some of you people say, well, give me something old because I'm a hymn person. Lo, um, long my impris my long my imprisoned spirit. How's that song go? Amazing love. Long my fast bound in sin and nature's night. What do you think he's talking about? Fast bound in sin and nature's night. Nature's night means it's dark. I can't see. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. He's saying God looked at me and he shot a ray of life into me, and my chains fell off, and I am free. Amazing love. These, these, these people who get saved and say it means they went from not knowing to knowing are biblically correct. Every soul needs God to reveal the truth, or we will remain self-deceived, going in the wrong direction. There's no middle ground. You can't say, well, <laughs> I'm not deceived, I'm just ignorant. <laughs> nope. You're, you're actually a self-deceiving person. I, I look at my own life and go, I used to do things that were hurtful to others relationally, and it never bothered me, and I didn't notice. Now, looking back, I thought, well, you idiot, of course you had to notice. Well, I just never put myself in their shoes. Now it's clear as a bell. By the way, I have to give a technical note um, there is not a proper clock on me, which means I have zero restraint. <laughs> and we've already talked about what happens to humans when there's no restraining power on them. So I'm talking to the tech, book here, tech people here in Katani. Um There's a war on truth in America. A, a little quick history, <laughs> a little quick sketch of history. Western civilization... And, and, and America have given up truth. Now, you might say, well, what's Western civilization? And for those who maybe don't know, um, from, from the Middle Ages, the invention of the printing press, all of a sudden, here comes, here comes uh, a, a, just a lot of knowledge slamming into the human race in the 1400s, 1500s, 1600s. And at that time, um, Protestantism came to be too. Uh, but what you had in Western Europe, some of Eastern Europe, and, and, and then obviously in, the, in America, because our founders were running away from religious persecution, were people who ran their governments under the idea that there is a transcendent God. By transcendent, I mean he's not a part of the creation. He's not a part of the earth. He's outside of it all. And he determines things. And so since there's a God, we all as human beings are obligated to 
honor him in the way we live our lives. Every country in Europe believed that. The country of the United States believed that. That came to be known as Western civilization. It's being attacked today wrongly. People are saying it's all evil and all that. Every nation does evil, but it was a good thing, and it led to the United States. The whole idea that we are endowed with certain unalienable rights comes from this idea there is a transcendent God, and he says, mankind, you have a right to be alive. You have a right Life, liberty, you have a light right to general freedom and the pursuit of property, which they changed to happiness because uh, uh, really a fight over slavery, which we made the wrong choice at that time. But nevertheless, life, liberty, and property, you have a right to those things. Today, people don't know what rights are. that They got a right to health care. You don't have a right to health care. Why not? Because that means you have a right to make a doctor help you. You don't have a right to make anyone help you. That enslaves the doctor. So, you know, people say, I have a right to a home. You don't have a right to a home. You have a right to life. Where did that come from? Where do those ideas come from? They come from somewhere. The idea that there is a transcendent God. And that's why Western Europe and the United States have led to more liberty than ever in the history of the planet and more prosperity in the midst of wars and evil things because it's made up of sinners. But over the last hundred years, all that ground has been given away. I'm just going to say it one more time. I'd really like a clock to let me know, or I will not stop. Could someone do that for me? Um, <laughs> thank you. Sorry <laughs> for those of you in other places. Um, the, um, so there's been a war on, on these truths for 100 years, and the war is over, and, and <laughs> people, you know, Nietzsche, and you, you might think it doesn't matter what philosophers say, but what philosophers say becomes what professors teach, and what professors teach becomes what the cultural movers believe. And we live in Western civilization that has given up the idea of truth that transcends us. There isn't one. And since <laughs> these great nations have this freedom What's going to happen to it? Well, we're seeing what happens to it when you let go of truth. Insanity. Mankind is as easily deceived now as ever before. One of the great restraints on Western civilization, you didn't have to be a Christian to, to have restraints of people saying, well, there is a good and a bad in the universe, there is a true and a false, and there is a God, and you better do the right thing. Well, that's gone. No one, you say that in college, no one cares. Today, you might know some of these. This is how easy it is to deceive humans. Uh, it's easy to deceive the majority of humans into believing that the weather will end the world. I'm, I'm, I'm not that old, but I'm old enough to know this has been going on since I was a kid, when in the early 70s, the ice cap was going to drown us all. But we were going to freeze to death too, um, which I don't know. Neither has happened, and every, every year, someone says we have 10 years. Now, Greta says we have 12. How dare you? <laughs> Sorry, I can't help it. <laughs> In 12 years, unless the Lord returns, we're all going to be here and everything's going to be fine. The air is cleaner in America than it was. The water's cleaner in America than it was when I was a kid. There's more forest in America than there was when I was a kid. And everywhere I go, someone's telling me to plant a tree. Why? Because humans are easy to deceive. All of life is an accident. Evolution is the stupidest idea in the world. There is no proof that human beings evolved over time. The fossil record simply isn't there. It shows fully developed creatures appearing out of nowhere in time. That's what it really shows. But you're an idiot if you don't believe this. Accidentally, dang, we're here. <laughs> it doesn't seem to work in any... A man can have a baby now a man can choose to be a girl now. Okay, I know you feel pressure to think that's normal because we're easily deceived. It's insane. It's nuts, okay? If you've stopped to think it's nuts and you're starting to wonder maybe I'm wrong, that's how easy. Even you can be deceived. Boys can marry boys and girls can marry girls. It's insanity. It's a culture of death. They can create no life. Marriage means man, woman. That's what it means. But it's easy. But you say amen, but that's because you're a Christian. You would, you'd be with everybody else otherwise. Don't get proud. Killing babies means freedom for women. 
all these things. We're fools. If we are to stay sane in this deranged world, we must understand the deceptions around us and how to discern truth. That's the, first, that's the beginning of our map. If we're to stay sane in this deranged world, we need to, how do you know we're not self-deceived now? By the way, the answer won't be political. Politics comes, politics goes. Politicians come, politicians go. None of them will save the world. None of them will stop the flow of time. <laughs> to, to change a nation for the good, you need the culture to change, not the president. It's just true. If we are to stay sane in this deranged world, we must understand the deceptions around us and how to discern truth. Repeatedly, the Bible warns that in the last days, deceptions will increase. And you might say, well, I'm not sure we're in the end times. I think we might be, but let's say we're not. It's still this projection as the closer we get to the return of Christ, deception increases on the earth. And I want to show you a text and, and discuss that. 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 to 12. And Paul was teaching about this in the first century. So if it was relevant in the first century, it's double relevant in the 21st century. Perhaps it's 21 times more relevant in the 21st century. 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 to 12. Now, Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and, and our being gathered together with him. <laughs> so the subject, he says, he says, you Thessalonians, he's writing to a church to a place called Thessalonica and he's writing to a church, Paul. And he says, now listen, I want to talk to you about when Jesus comes back and we're gathered together. What a beautiful way to say it. Let's talk about, they were expect they didn't know when, and that's good. Jesus said, you don't know when. Be ready at all that times because you don't know at what time he's going to come. And so, now listen, Concerning Jesus coming back to earth and gathering us together. You know, the dead in Christ shall rise and those of us who are alive and remain will be caught up with him in the air. We ask you, brothers, don't be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed. Obviously, someone was alarming them. Coming along, giving them false teaching. Either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us. If someone writes a letter and signs it, Paul, <laughs> he's saying, and it freaks you out about the return of Christ... He's saying don't believe it. Interesting. If someone write a letter to them and signed it Paul, what are they trying to do? Deceive them, aren't they? And he is saying our expectation is that you have a hold of truth that if someone says, hi, I'm Paul, this is what I'm saying, you'll say, no, that can't be right because we know what Paul says. So there's, there, it means they're not idiots. They're not, they're not suckers. Let's say suckers. <laughs> To the effect that the day of the Lord has come. People were saying, you know, Satan is a counterfeiter. That's a, Satan is a masquerader. Satan is a pretender. Satan is a deceiver. And people who don't know Christ and yet who find some way to profit off the church or, or, or mess with the sheep for whatever their motivation is, they're going to masquerade as truth tellers with Satan helping them. People have always claimed to be the Messiah. They've been nothing but trouble. In my short life in America, you know, you got that Jim Jones guy, took a bunch of people down to Guyana, gave them Kool-Aid, and they all died. That's why we say, don't drink the Kool-Aid. You know, you, you have th this kind of thing, the David Koresh in Waco, which stood for we ain't coming out. That's a joke for older people. Um, <laughs> they're all dead, you know, and... and, and but then you have the entire Jehovah Witness, which is millions of people worldwide, is based on a lie that their founder said that Jesus came back in 1914. He's already come back in 1914. Where is he now? I don't know. Here's Paul saying, don't believe these people. It's a common thing. Verse 3 says, let no one deceive you in any way. And then he's going to give them some signs to watch out for. For that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the rebellion against what? It, it can't be a national rebellion, because nations rise, nations fall. The rebellion against God himself in some level. And there's a man revealed. This is, a, this is not man in the generic sense. This is an actual male human being he shows up as beast in the book of Revelation, as Antichrist in the letter of John, the baddest bad guy, right? 
He's called man of lawlessness and son of destruction who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship. Be careful you see that. The Antichrist, the most evil of men, will, he won't simply oppose so that he takes the seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. He will not only say he is God, but he will somehow step on or reject every other religion. He's going to say the Hindu, I don't know what he's going to say, but he's either going to say there is no such thing as Hinduism, or he's going to say, I am the Hindu gods. He's going to say Islam is not right. It's just throw it away. Or he's going to say, I am the greatest imam. You know, he's going to push every religion down. That includes the Tom Cruise religions and all the Eastern weirdness and all the, the strange things. Probably, I was going to say a joke that I shouldn't say I'll get in trouble. It had something to do with essential oils and it was really funny, but I'm going to let that one go. I don't want to offend anybody. Put oil on your body if you like. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I, I told you these things? Listen, in our day, pluralism is a step in that direction. What we call plural, you know, pluralism, religious pluralism, the, the coexist stickers, <laughs> okay? You know, the coexist and they'll have a little, the, I don't remember all the symbols are. You got the Jewish star and the Christian cross and the sickle and whatever. In real life, <laughs> Jesus just fries all those other ones and says, no, it's just me, right? <laughs> but pluralism, the whole argument of pluralism, and by the way, this is worldwide. You think, well, that's an American idea. Americans like to say, all roads lead to God. You do your thing. That's your truth. That's your faith. You believe this. I believe that. We can all have a, a, a national prayer meeting where we all pray to whatever God we have and we can all get along, right? That, that's pluralism. We Christians, of course, can't accept that because we believe there's only one God. But I've been, when I was in India, I would talk to regular Indians, middle class and lower class, Muslim and Hindu, and every one of them said the same thing if they were lost. They said, it's all the same God. So it's already in their heads, right? And, and I, was, I was on Emirates Airline listening to the sheik who's the head dude of that, and he's very sophisticated and, and, and enlightened in a good sense. He seems like a very humanistic guy in the good sense of the word humanist. In other words, he, he cares about people. But he said right out that we have got to get our world society to a point where we realize that God manifests himself in Islam. He manifests himself in Christianity. He manifests himself in Judaism. And it's all the same. doesn't matter which one. Well, that's, that's a step in the direction of Antichrist. Because all Antichrist got to do then is either say, I'm the guy, or he's just got to say, they're all wrong, here's the true revelation, whatever he's going to do. He's called the man of lawlessness, the son of destruction. Throughout history, the most dangerous men in the world are the ones that made much of themselves, right? Whether you're talking ancient Persians, Alexander the Great, Genghis Khan, Napoleon, <laughs> Or, or Hitler, or Stalin, anyone who, be, and if you read some of the stories of these great so-called world leaders, they get nuts, and they start to think they're God, and they're above the law, and they're above mankind, and when they become a law to themselves, they become destructive, very destructive. Well, this, this beast is thoroughly that. Whatever that is, he respects no God, only himself, he has no regard for human race. Remember Jesus said that as the, we get near the end, because of lawlessness, the love of many will grow cold. You see, these all come together. If you have a, societies that across the world don't believe a God is leading them, they become lawless, they become cruel, and they will have a leader who will reveal himself as a God. Verse 6. And you know what is restraining him now that he may be revealed in time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he's taken out of the way. Verse 6 and verse 7 talks about what is restraining the coming of the evil one, the, this evil man. I don't know what's restraining him. Paul says the Thessalonians know, I told you, right? He says, <laughs> you know. 
right? Well, they know, we don't. And I've heard people say what might be restraining uh, the evil one. Nobody, nobody knows. Nobody knows. Uh, nobody knows when the Son of Man is coming, so no one knows except God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. No one even knows when the Antichrist is going to come. Think about that. Satan doesn't even know when. So which means he's got to have somebody ready and loaded in the chamber. <laughs> I got an evil guy. He'll make a good Antichrist, and there's Hitler. <laughs> it's like, maybe it's him. And then, bam, he's dead. Now, it ain't him. I'll cook up somebody else. I don't know what restrains, but I do know this part. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. The, the, the mechanisms, he's saying, of history that have to happen to get to the point where mankind receives a human as a god who is not God. By the way, do you see how Satan is a counterfeiter? There is only one God. The Antichrist is going to say, there's no other gods but me. It's a counterfeit. If you were to read the book of Revelation, you'd see there's a counterfeit trinity, right? You have the beast, the prophet of the beast, and the image of the beast. Oh, there's three. One, two, three, right? So, so he's just counterfeiting Jesus. And history, people say history repeats itself. Well, history doesn't really <laughs> I love history. If you studied history, you realize it doesn't really repeat itself. Human beings sin in the same ways, and there are a lot of repetitive events. But history changes, right? Man is heading somewhere. Man's philosophies and ways of looking at life and forming himself into governments and defining himself has been changing for as long as there has been mankind. We used to live in tribes, family-based with chieftains, and that moved to cities and kingdoms which might have two or three cities. It wasn't until the 1800s that we started to have something we would call a nation, a nation state. Germany was just a bunch of tribes in the early 1800s. Same with China, same with Russia. You know, it really, the idea of the nation state is brand new. And now we've moved to another step because of the internet and other things where even the nation state is breaking down and nations are trying to find ways to communicate and combine with each other. We just had Brexit happen this weekend. That The nation states all have 10 or however many, 15 countries all with one currency. How do you do that without some sort of unifying all of Europe, which has never been done? And England said, no, we quit, we quit the club. I know, I'm getting a little bit <laughs> too geopolitical. But for those who are catching it, you see, history doesn't repeat itself. We're moving somewhere. We went from being humans who each believed that their God or gods ruled their tribe to nation states that say there is no God. That's a big change, fairly recent. And the lawless, so that's the mystery of lawlessness. We're moving towards whatever the Antichrist needs to get his job done. And we may be very close. And then the lawless one will be revealed. He will be revealed. God has chosen the man, and he will turn him over to Satan completely. Whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. So, um, when the evil man arrives, we will be able to recognize him if we know Christ. Now, here I got to stop on something that, I just got to stop. Some of you, probably most of you, maybe everyone but me, I don't know, believe that before Antichrist comes, the church is going to be raptured out of here and none of you have to see that. Right? Many Christians believe this. You can be a good Christian member at Harvest and believe it. But if you think I'm going to tell you it's true, you're mistaken. I don't think that's true at all. I've never seen it in the scripture. And I've talked to many people who teach it who can't find it in the scripture. That was an idea invented in the 1800s. Did you know that? The whole idea of a rapture before the bad guy comes was just invented like 170 years ago. I don't think it's true. <laughs> So you might say, well, I do, Pastor, and 
I know the pastor I watch on TV does. Fine, I'm not gonna fight that battle, but I've gotta preach the word as I see it and get you ready for what might be real. And what, what's gonna be real is that ain't gonna happen. So you might be here when the bad guy shows up. You can't depend on T.D. Jakes preaching to the lost on a video tape for those of you people who are in the left behind. Because T.D. Jakes is a bit of a cultist anyway. He doesn't believe in the Trinity. So he will be revealed. And how does he end? Well, a lot is skipped here. He's revealed, and the next thing you know, he goes, and the Lord Jesus will destroy him. We know when the Lord returns, he picks him up, the, the prophet and the, uh, and the beast, and throw him, throws him in the lake of fire. So we know Jesus is going to solve the problem. The problem of evil won't be solved until he gets here. Verse 9, the coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders. One of the signs of the Antichrist is he's going to have wonder-working, miracle-working power. Satan can't do miracles, all right? Only God can. So how is this happening? Apparently, God is allowing Satan to do great deceptions through this man. And you'll believe that they're real miracles. People will believe that they're seeing wonders. Imitation Jesus. There will be somebody who does wonders that people all over the world will go, check him out. We're not far from the ability to do that. You go anywhere in the world, they know the Dalai Lama. Anywhere in the world. Billions of people know the Dalai Lama, who's not a Lama and he's not a Dolly. He's a man who wears orange. But he starts cranking out the miracles, people will go, check him out. I don't think he will, but. And with all wicked deception for those who are perishing, because they refuse to love the truth and to be saved. The Antichrist will fool the world, right? You say, well, what if I'm fooled? Here's the good news, you won't be. Why, because I'm smart? No, (laughs) you might be smart. You might be smarter than me, I don't care. We will not be fooled because God will protect us, all right? For our map, we want to take something right out of this text. The lost are not deceived because of the signs of the Antichrist. They're not deceived because of the miracles he does. Look, they're deceived because they refuse to love the truth and be saved. And that refuse to love the truth and be saved, that's verse 10. I just read it. That's an exact quote. With wi- all with wicked deception who are perishing, be- why are they perishing? Because they refuse to love the truth. They have a heart issue. They don't love truth. And because they don't love truth, they are still in their sins. They're still in their natural state. And so the deception of an antichrist is gonna work for them. You'd say, I don't see how that would work for them. People believe. <laughs> People believe that your eyeballs and ears and and your, your molecules and all the intense machines that are in the cell just happen by accident. People believe boys are girls. It's gonna be a cinch to get them to believe a man is a god. Do you really think the world's gonna, gonna that's not, that won't even be a speed bump. But it's not because he's good at fooling people, but it's because they don't love the truth. The problem of sin is we hate the truth. Because the truth reveals, Jesus said, the world, the world hates me because I tell them the truth, right, about their sins. The Holy Spirit comes and convicts us of our sins, and you can either reject him or receive the truth. To love the truth, though, requires both humility and obedience. You have to be humble enough to say, okay, I could have been really wrong, <laughs> Right? You gotta be able to say that. You can't be, if you're saying, well, actually I was a pretty cool person, then I added Jesus to my life and now I'm better. You probably don't have Jesus or your brain is on hold. (laughs) The whole point is, I was lost. (laughs) I was blind. Now I see. Verse 11 of our text. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false. God never lies. God will not deceive him. So how can he send a strong delusion? What do you think 
keeps us all from complete control of Satan throughout time. God's hand holds back Satan's lies in our lives. All he's got to do is remove himself, and that's it. And there will come a point when many people will find God removing themselves, and he says, have at it. Have at it. You say, well, is that really in the Bible? Have you read Romans 1? God turns them over to the futility of their own minds. Well, one day he's going to do it in some sort of global sense. In order that they might be condemned, who what? Did not believe the truth. The issue's always, they didn't believe the truth, they didn't love the truth. It has nothing, they can't say, well, I'm a victim, I was fooled. No, you're not a victim, you didn't want the truth. It wasn't that you can't handle the truth, you can handle it, you didn't want it. Many people tell me, I, I shared the gospel with this guy over and over. My, my mother, my father, my brother, my sister, my friend, my coworker. And you know what? They just argue with me and, and, they, and they say, well, what about this and what about that? And after a while, don't you realize what's going on? They don't care about the argument. The reason they don't believe is because they don't want God telling them what to do. And you're a pain in the neck because you do want God telling you what to do. It makes you kind of annoying. It's kind of like a bill collector who won't go away. I know I owe the money. No, what do they have? Pleasure in unrighteousness. I love my sin. <laughs> Why else do people do sin? Every one of you who were saved loved your sin until you realized you were like a pig wallowing in your own disgustingness. Isn't that true? And if some of you are too high and mighty for that, my friends, you don't know Jesus because you got to get to that point. You got to be feeding pigs on the farm before you realize, <laughs> what am I doing? I need God. God turns over mankind to deception. Let's imagine the Lord's coming soon. I'm not saying he is. I don't know when he comes. He may come long after we're all dead. He could come and five years. You might say, well, I don't expect him in five years. He says, I come in an hour you don't expect. <laughs> so let's say he's coming in five years, 10 years. Make it 10, because I don't know your end time theology. I want to make sure it fits with all those seven-year things, whatever. 10 years. What could you expect today from the world around you? Would you expect professors to be godless and teach insane ideas? Would you expect the news to completely paint a picture, a narrative of the world that goes the opposite direction of truth? Would you expect books and movies and songs to be filled with lies about the truth of what it means to be a human being, what it means to be good, what it means to be, have forgiveness of sins, and what it means to worship God? Would you expect that? <laughs> yes. Do you see that dynamic in the world today? Yes. Is it the majority dynamic of your nation? Yes. You're saying, wait a minute, I see that working right now, right? But like Bachman Turner Overdrive says, you ain't seen nothing yet. You ain't seen nothing yet. I don't think we've hit that point where, but we don't know. From our map, will you be able to stand in an environment where you are hated? When I, what do I mean hated? Look, if you're the only one pushing one direction and the whole world spirit's going the other, you're gonna look like the problem. You're a bigot. That's why you won't say a boy is a girl because you're a transphobe. And you're anti-scientific. That's why you say the weather's not gonna kill us. And that's why you say God, there's a God who made us and not nothing made us. Because you don't like science, so you're stupid. You raise your children wrong. You're a phobe. You're a bigot. You're the problem. Will you be able to stand in that environment? Or will you find it easier to compromise the truth in order to fit with the world? This is our map. To be a Christian is always meant to be contramundum against the world. We love, we don't hate, but we begin by loving the truth. To love the truth, you must know the truth. What is the truth? <laughs> what is the truth? Um, 
Pontius Pilate asked that. What is truth? Good question, Pontius. We have an answer for you. It comes from John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, and that one sentence is enough to open the doorway from lies to truth, from lost to saved, from blind to seeing. If you are here in your sins and you need forgiveness from God, this sentence ought to be enough to at least crack that door open so the light starts to come through. Jesus didn't say, I will show you the truth, although he does. He didn't say, I'll teach you the truth, although he does. He said, I am the truth. I'm God. This is the truest thing you'll ever see, me. And if you come to me, you're going to come to my Father, who's God. Truth is the doorway to God. Jesus is the solution to our, the human problem of sin. Because we deceive ourselves, he is the truth. Here's the beautiful thing about Jesus Solving the truth problem. The least of the world can know him. Um, Down syndrome babies are being aborted like crazy. Down syndrome is being wiped out. It's not really. Humans are being wiped out. But there are many adults and children who have Down syndrome who know the truth. And there are many very normal healthy chromosomed people who have a lot of education who believe lies. The least of these, our children can know the truth. You and I can know the truth. Elitists can know the truth, but they're not needed. Do you know him? Do you desire Jesus more than anything? Is a hunger and a love for God what drives you? If so, God is opening your eyes. If not, ask him to. Because when he shows you the truth, you have a choice. You can obey within your humility and yield to him, or you can resist him and call him a liar, like the Pharisees. 1 Timothy 1.15, Paul says, This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. What I'm about to say to you, he says, you can trust. This is the rock of Gibraltar, baby. This ain't moving. What I'm saying to you, Take it to the bank. Well, this is Paul, the doggone apostle, wrote all these letters in the Bible. If he picks one sentence out and says, I want you to stop and think about what I'm about to say, because everybody, no one should even argue with this. should be full acceptance. Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am foremost. <laughs> I'm here to tell you God sent his son, Jesus Christ, because Christ means Messiah, anointed one. He is Savior on his innocent body. On the cross, he took the sins of the world because God loves you. He loves everybody on the planet. He wants everyone to come to the knowledge of the truth and believe in him. That's why he came. He's a good God. He's a great God. He's a saving God. And the cross is his proof. And I, the great apostle Paul, I'm the worst of sinners just to prove to you that if he can save me, says Paul, he can save you. And Jesus remains the only protection from the deception that is building up in the history of man. Mark 13, 22, Jesus said this, false Christ, false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. Deceptions, this is in the map, can be very convincing. But Jesus is clear it will not be possible to lead astray the elect. <laughs> That's why if you know him and you love him, you'll be fine. You go, what if I'm fooled? You won't be. What if I think it's Jesus? It's not. How do I know? He seems so good. Has all the evil in the world come to an end? No, it ain't him. Jesus is clear, it will not be possible to lead astray the elect, those chosen to be saved by God. How can this be the answer? The Holy Spirit and God's word. We must not depend on our own reasoning or our own willpower, but we depend on God's word, the Bible, and we depend on Jesus living inside us. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he said to his men, I'm gonna go away and I'm not coming back right away. They had no idea what he was talking about. <laughs> 
We now know he's going to go to the cross. He was going to die. He was going to raise up. He was going to ascend into heaven where he sits. And he is coming back, but not right away. I'm going to go away. And they're like panicking. What? Where are you going? He says, it's to your advantage. How's it to our advantage? We like having you here. You can handle everything, all our problems. It's to your advantage because when, if I don't go back to heaven, the Holy Spirit can't come and indwell you in the special way. You see, the Holy Spirit's been on the earth dealing with God's people, opening eyes since Adam and Eve. But there's a special gift given to Christians after the cross. If you receive Christ, you can, and have your sins forgiven, you're born again, and you receive the Holy Spirit in some greater way. I don't know exactly where it is, but it's greater. And Jesus said, if I don't go, you can't. Trust me, you're better off with him. He is the one who's gonna guide your mind. To the apostles, Jesus said, John 16, 12, and 13, when the spirit of truth comes, this is during the same speech, he will guide you in all truth. He's like, when I'm gone, I'm not leaving you alone. He won't speak on his own authority. Whatever he hears, he'll speak. He'll declare to you the things that are to come. The Holy Spirit's gonna tell you what I said. The apostles were assured. In another place, Jesus said, he will bring to remembrance all I said to you. Have you ever wondered how the apostles were able to write down the gospels and write down the, 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 the books of the New Testament? He promised the Holy Spirit would chat with them in a unique way. Now, we have to be careful here. The Holy Spirit reminded the apostles of his word. And the apostles were big shots, really big shots. He reminded them of his word in a way he does not remind me or you. We didn't hear them. Jesus said of the Old Testament, not a jot or tittle, not a dotted I or cross T, we could say in English, will pass away. So we know the Old Testament's perfect. And then he said to the apostles, I'm gonna bring your remembrance to your word. And the apostles said, this is the word of the Lord. Even if someone writes a letter and say, we sign it, it's not what we say, don't believe it. The reason we accept the whole Bible is because Jesus confirms both halves, right? The reason we need to get this is the way we keep truth is we read the Bible. We devote ourselves to what the apostles taught. And then the Holy Spirit in us, if you don't have the Holy Spirit in you, you can read the Bible as literature and never get saved. But once you're saved, the Holy Spirit's in you and what he does is he lights up the words of Jesus. Very important you get it because we're not promised that in our conversations with God in prayer, we're going to get answers outside of the scripture. Very important you get that. There are evangelical Christians who love Jesus, who try to teach other people how to hear the spirit, right? <laughs> this one guy, Eldridge, who used to be one of my favorite whipping posts, but he's not so popular anymore, so it's not my favorite anymore. Um, but he, he wrote like, wild at heart for men, ventures for men, I don't know. Um, he wrote this book where he said, and I, we we're going to get a Christmas tree, and the Spirit of the Lord said, go get the Christmas tree. But I said, no, it's not the time to get the Christmas tree. And so I went out the next week with my family to get the Christmas tree, and my Jeep got stuck. The reason the Jeep got stuck is because the Spirit of the Lord told me to get the Christmas tree the week before, and I didn't listen. Okay, can we say, that's stupid, and that's what you get into if you always have to hear him. And I've seen a lot of people wreck their lives, good Christians, because they're trying to, oh, God said, you don't know that. I'm not saying God will never break out and give a fresh word, but that is not normal. And it probably won't happen in your life. What the normal way is, the Bible is what the Holy Spirit is going to bring into your mind. That's why we have to read it. That's why I have to memorize it. So you're like, I don't remember what I read. But then you're in the middle of a conversation with somebody and you need to give him some truth and bam, that verse pops into your mind. You're like, I don't know exactly how to say it, but Jesus said this. Has that ever happened to you? It's the Holy Spirit. The Bible is the voice of God. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God. It's profitable for teaching me, reproving me, correcting me, and training me in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, complete. I don't need a separate conversation with the Holy Spirit where he gives me new data from heaven. That's how you get screwed up. That's what Mormonism is. That's what Jehovah Witnesses are. These people say, well, I love Jesus, and he gave us some fresh data. Can't wait to write the Book of Mormon and tell you all about it. Well, it's a lie. <laughs> you can trust the data that's already there. So I can be complete, equipped for every good work. 
Jesus relied and taught the Old Testament. Look at what 2 Timothy, what Paul says about as, time, as people start to love lies. Look what he says. I charge you, Timothy. He's talking to Timothy. I threw that word in there. I'm not adding to the Bible. I'm just letting you know who he said it to. I charge you, Timothy, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead by his appearing in his, com- in his kingdom. This is pretty scary. Uh, can, you, can you do me a favor? <laughs> Those words get you in trouble. Can, can you do us a favor? Forget it. Time-bound joke that nobody got, but that's okay. So <laughs> Paul says, listen, Timothy, can you do me a favor? Can you do me a favor, Timothy? Um, I'd like you to do something. What is it? Well, before I tell you what it is, can I tell you that I'm asking you to do it uh, in, the, in the presence of God? What do you mean? I mean, God is going to watch you whether you do this. Okay. And of Jesus Christ. Well, well, yeah. Who is the judge of the living and the dead? Yeah, I know. Who by his appearing and his kingdom <laughs> is going to judge the living and the dead? Yeah. Will you do this while he watches you? Okay, Paul, I get it. This is important. And what's he say? Preach the word. Preach the word. Give the church the word of God. Be ready in season and out of season. Use the word to do what? Repute, rebuke, exhort. Tell them what's wrong. Tell them what's right. Tell them what they got to do with complete patience. They won't always listen. That's okay. The sheep. You didn't always listen either, Timothy. Be patient. Be patient, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. That has happened throughout history in Christianity. It continues to happen. People say, I don't want a teacher who tells me that. I want a Christian teacher who tells me this. They don't want the word of God. They want what their own deceptive hearts tell them they need to hear. And they'll turn away from listening to the truth and wander into myths. What is the remedy for that deception? It's in there. Preach the word of God. Preach the word of God. Too many preachers aren't preaching. Too many preachers are boring. Too many preachers, you wonder if they believe it themselves. (laughs) Can't have a sermon over 20 minutes. People don't have attention spans. And plus, if you've got, you got something to say and you can't say in 20 minutes, maybe it's not worth saying, preacher. <laughs> well, no wonder you're filled with deception. You think he's talking instead of the word of God. But it means we have to hear the word. I have to hear it. You have to hear it. By that I mean, it, again, it comes back to humility. You, we've always got to be willing to look in the mirror of the Bible and say, huh, I think I'm out of line here. Even as a Christian, it's, it's a never-ending fight against the flesh. Because, <laughs> but the Spirit will lead us. James 1.15 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. I'm not saying you're always gonna feel like you have the answer, but I'm gonna say God will always give you the answer you need when you need it if you'll ask him. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Harvest Community Church. We invite you to join us at any one of our four campuses located in Catanning, Petrolia Valley, Indiana, and Freeport. For more information, check us out on the web at harvestpa.org.